Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you today? This is a most wonderful feast day. It's a solemnity of our Blessed Mother, the Annunciation of the Lord, when the angel Angel Gabriel came to a young 15-year-oldish Jewish maiden to tell her she would bear the very Son of God. There's no way I can even fathom such a thing. Um, it's an amazing thing, and I'm going to go to the Gospel of Luke that tells us the whole thing this morning. In the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, the same angel <clears throat> that came to Daniel, the same age, angel that fought the devil, the same angel that um, told Zachariah in the temple that he would have a son, that son would be John the Baptist, and Zechariah didn't believe the angel, and he made him deaf and dumb for a time until his son would be born, and it's the same angel that came to the Blessed Mother, very busy angel Gabriel. And in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, it reads, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, in Hebrew, Miriam. And he came to her and he said, Hail, full of grace. That's one word, full of grace. Uh, In the Greek, it's one word, and it means there's room for nothing else. If a glass is full of water, uh, you cannot add to it. It's full, completely full. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be from an angel. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. It would have been Hebrew, Yeshua, which means God is salvation. Yeshua, Jesus. She will conceive and bear a son, and she will call his name Jesus. Now the church teaches, tradition teaches, that Mary, as a very young girl, had made a vow of virginity. This isn't infallible teaching, but it's a tradition of the church that she had made a a vow of virginity. So at about 15 years old, I can't imagine what her, her reaction could have been, that she would bear a child and that his name would be called Jesus. And the angel goes on to describe this baby that she would bear. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, we just read this over and over again. But to Mary, born under the Old Covenant, born under the Mosaic Covenant, 
the most high is God. And <clears throat> it was not known. The triune nature of God was not known. God revealed himself progressively, first as the Father, and then as the Son, and then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, each of them being God, yet there be only one God, one God who exists in three divine persons. That was later to be understood. All Mary heard from Gabriel is that the child she would bear would be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And I try to picture her and say, what is that about? Most High is God. The Son of the Most How God has a Son? How is that, impo- how is that possible? And the angel continued, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom will be, there will be no end. And I pictured Mary saying, are you kidding? Is this it? Is this the announcement of the Messiah? Every Jewish maiden longed to be the mother of the Messiah. They knew that he was coming, and they knew that they were living in the time of his coming, according to the prophet Daniel. And this angel described in the son that Mary would bear all his credentials. He would be the son of the Most High. Well, she may not have understood that, how God could have a son. But the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He would definitely be from David. He would be the son of David from the woman Eve, right through Noah, right through the choice of Abram, which means high and honored father. And his name would be changed to Abraham, meaning a father of many nations. And Abraham had two sons, Esau and Isaac. And it was through Isaac that the seed, the promised seed, um, uh, God promised to Abram, a high and honored father, that he would be the father of many nations and that his seed would multiply uh, like the sand of the sea. Too many to count. And then Abraham had two sons, Esau and Isaac, and it would be through Isaac that that promised seed to bring the Messiah into the world would continue, which is why when Abraham was told to kill his son, Genesis chapter 22, his only son, and Abraham picked up the knife, tied up his son in the wood, and agreed to kill him, this was the heir of the promise. But Abraham believed God, and Isaac became a type of our Lord who would be killed and then raised from the dead. Abraham believed God is able to raise people from the dead. And on that basis, he was ready to kill his son. But God had a ram caught in the thicket in the place of his son. And he didn't have to kill his son. And Isaac became the promised seed. And then Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And then it was through Jacob that the promised seed would continue. And Jacob had 12 sons. And Jacob strove with God one night. And God dislocated his hip that he would walk with a limp. He'd have a souvenir from then on. And so the 12 sons of Jacob, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means to strive with God. And God changed, well, Jacob's name to Israel. And so the 12 sons 
of Jacob, who married and had families and grew into tribes, became the 12 tribes of Jacob or the 12 tribes of Israel. And it would be through one of those tribes, Jacob's sons, that the messianic line that could continue, the line through whom the Messiah would come for the whole world, and it was the tribe of Judah. And within the tribe of Judah, there'd be a family, again, through whom the Messiah would be born, and it would be the family of David, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, through Judah, and the family of David. This is almost a thousand years that David lived before the coming of Messiah. But he had to be the son of David, and he was. And everybody knew that he was the son of David. So he will be great and will be called the son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. he be the son of the Most High. If God has a son, the son is God. And if he would... Um, uh, have the throne of his father David, he would be divine and he would be human. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Uh, Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful God, the Mighty Father, the Prince of Peace. His name will be called the Holy God. And further down, God said, he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever. These are the credentials of the Messiah that people waited for for 4,000 years. And two th- from the fall in the garden and 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ. And Mary heard all this. And I, I, I'm guessing she would have been speechless and breathless. And Mary said to the angel, how, how can this be since I have no husband? And what she didn't say is I've also made a vow of virginity. I don't have a husband now. I've not intended to have a husband. How could this be? And the angel said to her, this is how Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I have no clue how Mary could have even taken those words in without perishing. The Jew knew that you cannot look at God and live. A man can't be God. You can't even look at God God and live. How would she bear God in her womb for nine months and he would be the Son of God which means he would be God the Son. She would bear him in, the, in her womb. How on earth could that be? And the angel said, God is going to take care of it. Not a human man, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. There's the music for our break, dear ones. We'll come back and conclude this uh, back from the break. And then with our second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts. Our toll-free number to call in ahead, our lines are wide open, is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. We have just read the most miraculous passage from the Gospel of Luke of the angel coming to Virgin Mary, who was born without sin through the Immaculate Conception from the moment of her conception in her mother's womb, in Anne's womb, she was, she received a singular grace and God removed all stain of original sin at the very moment of conception from her so she was born without sin and she never once committed sin her entire life and the tradition of the church says that in her youth mary made a vow of virginity in the temple that she would remain a virgin and in part in making reparation for the sins of israel she wanted to remain a virgin and so she was and when she was about 15 years old the angel Gabriel came to her and told her that she would bear the very Son of God. And I, when I was looking into the Catholic Church, I, I thought, if the Catholic Church is true, from my Jewish background through 18 years of evangelical Protestantism, trying to save Catholics, <clears throat> I thought, if the Catholic Church is true, what God have I known all my life? Because it was so different. The difference between Catholicism and Protestantism is not merely doctrine, it's a whole way of seeing. It's actually 
Catholicism is Judaism fulfilled and the full measure of Christianity. <laughs> but I had a very evangelical heart and mind and doctrinal um, uh, knowledge or, and, and belief at that time. And I said, if the Catholic Church is true, what God have I known all my life? And then when I read Luke chapter 1, that the angel came to Mary and said that you're going to bear the very Son of God, I, I can imagine her saying, the God I know, the God of Abraham, Jacob, has a son? How could this be? And if it's, and how could I bear the Son of God? He would be, he would be God. Um, and he ran down all the credentials the Lord will give to him, the throne of his father David. Mary was born from the line of David. Um, he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's just what Isaiah had said almost a thousand years before. His, his kingdom will be no end. She knew the angel was talking about the Messiah, and she knew that she, from the tribe of David, was being chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. It had it was the right timing, according to the prophet Daniel, and it, it just had to be totally overwhelming to her. And so she said, but how? I have no husband. And the fact is, she had vowed to have no husband. Um, and the angel said to her, it's the Holy Spirit, Mary. And even Mary at that time did not know that the Holy Spirit, the Jewish people did not understand as of yet that God existed, the one God, Shema Yisrael, Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. She didn't know that the one God existed in three divine persons. So when the angel spoke of the Holy Spirit, it, just the, it means God. The Spirit of God will overshadow her. And the child shall be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I don't know what she could have been thinking, except she might have been thinking what I did. Well, God, have I known all my life if this is true? And the fact is, what Mary would have known is that when the tabernacle was built, and this would be... 1,500 years before the coming of Messiah, at the end of the book of Exodus, the last 15 chapters of Exodus have to do only with the building of the tabernacle. And so um, chapter 40, the end of Exodus, it says this. When the cloud, the cloud refers to the, the glory of God, Hebrew, the Shekinah, the glory, the, the glory cloud, the very presence of God. When the cloud covered the tent of meeting, tent of meeting is synonymous with tabernacle. The tent of meeting is means a dwelling place. Tabernacle means dwelling place. They're interchangeable words. So when the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, that's a parallelism, meaning it says the same thing. The cloud, that's the presence of God, covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord, that is his Shekinah, his very presence, filled the tabernacle, filled the tent of meeting. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud abode upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, we read that, and we don't know, but Mary would have known this. The exact same language used 
to describe the very presence of God filling the tabernacle of the old covenant that God told them to build in the wilderness and which traveled with them those 40 years with the presence of God in the tabernacle is the very same language that the angel Gabriel used to speak of the presence of God overshadowing Mary. The very same language. So in Exodus, it says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the angel Gabriel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Most High is God. The glory of the Lord will overshadow her. Why? Because she now will be the new tabernacle, the new dwelling place of God, the new ark of the new covenant, Mary is, the ark of the covenant. And in the Old Testament, nobody could touch the ark. And one day the ark was falling over and Uzzah, Uh, when to touch it, when to stop it from falling, when they were carrying it, and he was put to death like that because it's too holy. It contains the presence of God and nobody could even touch it. And here, Mary, the, the, the Holy Spirit, God himself overshadowed her and filled her and she was his tabernacle. Now, were she not holy, had she had any stain of sin in her, she would have perished like that. God chose a holy, holy vessel for himself and did for Mary at the point of her conception what he does for us at our baptism. He removed the stain of original sin. Mary was born without sin. She was not born with original sin and she remained without sin the rest of her life just as she remained a virgin the rest of her life because it was the Holy Spirit who came upon her and the Son of God was formed in her. He took flesh and blood. God took flesh and blood from Mary. That, beloved, is the same flesh and blood before whom we bow and whom we receive at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The very flesh and blood that Mary bore, the God that Mary bore. People have trouble calling Mary co-redemptrix, but that's exactly what she is, a co-redeemer with Christ. Co doesn't mean equal, it means with. And without Mary, the Messiah wouldn't have been born. And you could say, well, he could have chosen anyone he wanted, and he could didn't have to come as a baby. All of that. Yeah, he could have, he could have, he could have, but he didn't. And all of history um, proclaimed the coming of Messiah through a virgin who would be without sin. And that's the way God set it up. And when Messiah came, he fulfilled just about, not totally yet, every prophecy in the Old Testament, every one. And he died at age 33-ish. He was put to death. He came to die. He came to die. He is God. And he held the world together from the manger, from that little feeding, animal feeding trough he was put in when he was born in the cave at Bethlehem. And, um, Uh, We say, well, why? He's the king of kings, lord of lords. What's he doing being born in a filthy stable? It's because he's the lamb of God. And someone once said, lambs are born in stables, not palaces. 
He came to die. He never ceased being God. He wasn't 50% God, 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And he remains that through all of eternity. The scriptures say when we get to heaven, we will see a lamb as if slain. We'll see the nail marks in his hands. So he held the world together from the manger. He came to die. And he said a thousand angels could have rescued him from the cross. But Jesus said, was it the father who put him to death? No. Was it the Romans who put him to death or the Jews? No. They were the players and God knows their accountability. But Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down of myself and I take it up again to give life to the world. I remember when I finally believed through very wonderful Jews for Jesus, they were evangelical Protestants before I was Catholic, when I came to believe, changed my whole life. And they, I, I believed that he died as the only lamb who sacrificed every suffice for sins. And the millions of lambs throughout 1,500 years of the Mosaic sacrificial system couldn't do a thing. They were dead. And it all pointed to Christ, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world and mine. And I remember that I came to believe it. And it was a couple of weeks later, I heard the same group of Jews for Jesus talking about his being alive. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You told me he died. And they, I said, what are you telling? What are you saying that he's alive? And they said, because he came out of the grave, the resurrection. I didn't have a clue from my Jewish background. Not a clue. I only knew of... Easter Macy's Day parades in New York. Not a clue. And they said, but he came out of the grave. And I remember saying to them, why didn't anybody say so? Oh my, that's everything. Everybody dies. People don't come out of the grave. That's everything. He rose from the dead. And he was vindicated as the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And returned to the right hand of the Father, where he is now, except that he's God, so he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. And he will come again. Some people say, well, for us Christians, he came the first time, he's coming the second time. For the Jews, he'll come the first time. No, he came the first time for the Jews. He came for his own. Those who were his own did not receive him. However, a good and a many did. The disciples were all Jewish. They received him. They followed him. They were changed. 3,000 at Pentecost, which was not a Christian holiday, Pentecost. It's, it's the Greek word for Shavuot. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was in Jerusalem where 3,000 Jews were gathered to celebrate their feast. And it was at their feast that God poured out the third person of the Blessed Trinity on them, the Holy Spirit. And they were filled, and they spoke in other languages, tongues, but they all understood what was said in their own language. They had all kinds of dialects there in Jerusalem, but they all, that's the true gift of tongues, that you, someone speaks, and you understand it in your own language. And that's what happened on Pentecost. And 3,000 Jews became uh, Catholic, followed the Messiah, And uh, the gospel spread to the four corners of the world from the Jewish nation, even though yet a remnant. That was God's plan all along. The rest of the Jewish people 
yet have to believe and we may need to make them jealous as Paul said. Love learning more about the church but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour together. And I need to remind you, I don't do, but I want to uh, remind you of the life of uh, the funder, the fundraiser that LifeSite News has set up for us. Um, and uh, I, when I looked the last time yesterday, uh, we needed 108000 to go in five days. I think it's four days now. I'm not sure. I'll look it up during our next break. But if if any of you wished, it's for the purchase of our new home. And I, I mentioned we, we already were able to purchase a small home, which is going to be our guest house. We're going to move into the guest house in just a few weeks. Um, but it'll take very few of us. So we found a larger home, 6,000 square feet, that we could take more women in. And um, the inspection was done uh, yesterday or two days ago now. We should have the results very soon. And if it's reasonable, we will we will go into it because the house has been empty for 18 years. And we have some fixing up to do. So we're going to need about 300000 But the the um, the fundraiser is set at 200000 which is too good to be true. And I think we as of last night, we had about one hundred and ninety one thousand in there so 
if you wish to be part of this to fund our new house and we'll need construction in there we have to add a couple of bathrooms and all of that it's www.lifefunder.com it's l-i-f-e-f-u-n-d-e-r one word lifefunder.com then forward slash the initials of our community d-o-m-m-o-i-h daughters of mary mother of israel's hope all cats d for daughter d-o-m-m-o-i-h and you'll get it and there were way over 600 donors so far, and um, I can't figure out how many donors we need at $10 each or $25 each uh, to, to reach another over another $1,000. Um, I mean, 100000 108000 I think we needed, but um, I won't do the math. I'll just leave it in God's hands. What God wants, I've loved Mother Teresa saying, and it's become mine. What God wants, he provides for. What God doesn't want, we don't want. It's so simple that we never worry. We never worry. And he has never, ever failed to provide our every single need. And if we don't have provision for any one thing, we know we don't need it. It's the end of story. We don't, we've never borrowed a penny. We've never owed a penny. We don't owe anything now. And we just walk with God. And, and that way we have more confidence of being in his will. We have a call from Rachel, and let me say before I speak with Rachel um, that uh, you're welcome again to call in with anything on your heart this entire half hour. Our lines are wide open, um, and the toll-free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Rachel, dear, from Maryland, welcome on this solemnity of our Mother's Feast Day of the Annunciation. Good morning, Mother Mary. Hello, dear. It's so wonderful to speak with you. I'm glad. I'm happy you called in, Rachel. Go ahead, sweetie. Oh, I, I'm so happy to have found you. You, Your beautiful, wise words um, have just been such a blessing to me. Um, let's see. I it, it relates very much to what you were speaking about on yesterday's show when you were speaking of the sin of sloth. Mm-hmm. I um, have been struggling with what some would call a virtue, but really is has turned into uh, what I would say is a sin, and that is perfectionism. Um, I have a very difficult time with completing tasks because yeah. of my desire to do everything completely and as perfectly as I am able. Right. And so where this sounds like a virtue and a good thing, it, it becomes paralyzing for me. And I, I understand that I, I do not start things that I should just dive into to get mm-hmm. them done. But instead, yeah. I hesitate and, and wait until I feel like I have the time necessary to do them perfectly and completely. And then they just don't get done. So I was hoping Rachel. that you could help me with this. Well, if I can help you, I'd I'd help myself because I've struggled with perfectionism my whole life. And I do jump into things, but I have 10 things going at one time and I don't complete any of them. So there, I understand you perfectly. Perfection, uh, perfectionism is not the sin of sloth. It is not. Uh, The fact that we don't finish something is not necessarily because we are slothful or lazy or don't get to it so much, but we we have this um, 
uh, uh, what's the what should I call it um, burden of perfectionism, and it's I don't I wouldn't go so far to call it a sin, but it is it does weigh us down, and there might be some pride involved in that for sure, and pride is the greatest sin. We want to be perfect, and the result is. We don't finish what we start. We get very little done. We're not accepting of others' work because we'll always find something imperfect with it. You know, whether it's our children or husband or uh, class we're teaching or others, it's, it, we're always going to find something that's not perfect. So we're, we're critical, we're not accepting, and we, then we blame ourselves, all of that. Does that ring home? Oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Yes, ma'am, exactly. It, uh, and and uh, also I find that I I don't designate tasks to others as a result, and I end up wanting to do them myself because uh, I find that other people won't necessarily do them as well as I will, which is a terrible thing to think because you can always gain so much insight from other people, and yet well, I, I find that I... And then I burden myself with all of this I don't have time for, or... I don't know. If I would just get things done, it would be better than just waiting until I can do them That's perfectly. That's right. And yet, That's right. I don't know. I have, mm-hmm. this, I have this desire to, I was always taught growing up, you know, leave things better than you found them. And it's just such a part of ingrained in who I am. Well, that's a good that thing. Better doesn't mean perfect. It means you've c- contributed to their betterment. It doesn't mean it's perfect. Um, Rachel, I don't know that you'll speak to anybody who understands this problem more than me because I've struggled with my whole life. I still do. I still do. But I know that if I don't delegate, number one, I I always feel I can do everything better than anybody else except maybe build a car. I don't know. But... (laughs) I'll, 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 I'll wind up doing nothing. So I need to answer 2,000 letters, and I want to answer them because I want people to have personal responses from me, and yet then nobody gets answered. So I understand this perfectly, perfectly. Um, we have to give it up. We have to say to do all to the glory of God, Paul, Paul's words to the Corinthians, whether we eat or drink or sleep, do all to the glory of God. The glory of God doesn't mean perfection. It means that we trust him above our own little meager abilities. And to do all to the glory of God, we we get done what we can get done, not so perfectly, even though we know if we spent another day on it, it would be terrific. But then we wouldn't have done five other things or or spend time with people that's more important. Um, it's, it's It's a trap. I think it's a psychological disorder, um, and we just have to say, Lord, I, I read a statement once from G.K. Chesterton. He said, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And I said, why? <laughs> but that's what he said, and I've come to believe it. I'm not doing things perfectly. I, you know, I, I, I have to let go of what people think of me, because if I invite anybody into my office, um, it, the bishop came to visit and I showed him my office, uh, and and he was he smiled and he said, "Oh my goodness!" And we left. And I said, "What on earth did I do that for?" It's an absolute wreck. 
Why did I volunteer to show him where I work? It's terrible. So I said, now what is he going to think of me? And I said, well, whatever he is, I have to leave it with God. I'm not perfect. I have to not be afraid to let people see that. And, um, and we just go on. And people become more important to us than things. So I have sisters here. I may have a deadline to meet. And somebody comes in and says, Mother, may I talk with you? You know what I do with my deadline? I put it down. But it has to get to the post office today. And it won't. And I put it down. Well, what do you mean, Mother? It's a certain responsibility you have. I say, I know. But people are more important. And if one of my sisters come to me, I'm their spiritual mother. Nothing else matters. And if I don't get to the post office, I don't get to it. And I spend time with the person. Not the 10 minutes, I think that it should take, but could be an hour and a half. And I've learned that I'm not perfect. I can't do it perfectly. Uh, Things are not going to look as beautiful and neat as I want them. I need a ruler. I can't just draw a line. Now I'm just drawing lines. You know, Uh, I still suffer with that. But I say, "This this is burdening me. I'm not free. I live with the burden. One of uh, a past pastor used to say that there's nothing uh, so burdensome as undone duty, unmet duty. And in perfectionism, you've got everything on your plate all the time overflowing because everything needs to be done well. And that's what you're saying. But Rachel, I understand it. I wish I could tell you the total cure. I'm not totally cured. But knowing that... We don't have to be perfect. That You know that we're the only perfect people in the world, you and I, Rachel. And everybody else is imperfect, right? So we don't want to be imperfect like they are. So I'm imperfect like they are now. I've actually become that way, and it's made me happier, and it's made me more free. And all I do now is take a look at what is absolute priority. you got to do okay. it. You have children? I do. I, I have two children, and um, How old? the 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 way I got well, they're now in their twenties and on their way to college. So we're mm-hmm. we're almost through with them. And I mean, my house is like a bomb hit it because the the way I've gotten through, you know, raising them is I just let a lot of other things go. I understand, and, and paid attention to them because they were the most important thing. Um, but I, I know it has frustrated my husband over the years because I've left piles of things and I've said, no, 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 don't touch that. Whereas he would like to just scoop it up and deal you with see, it. And I've said, no, that's no, it. I want to deal with that. And, yeah, yeah and right, so right. Okay. Here's the thing, sweetheart. That is the kind of thing that I really need to learn how to handle for him. I'll tell you how. I've I'll him. tell you. I'll, yes, it does. And it, it, lack of order is very stressful, even if someone has nothing to do with it. When your house is clean and in order, there's peace. So I'm going to tell you how to handle it. Number one, if you weren't such a perfectionist, you'd be able to raise your children and keep a good house. I'm not criticizing you. I'm talking to you from my own perspective. I'd be able to keep my desk neat. So it's just because you want to do everything perfectly. And so you leave it aside and you don't want your husband to do it because you know how things should be folded and all of that. Um, I'm going to tell you how. Just go to God and say, Lord, help me with this. Ask our blessed mother, help me. Just free me of this perfectionism. It's nothing but pride 
and I put a burden on everybody else, including myself. And I'll tell you how to help your husband. If he offers to do anything, anything, you say, oh, sweetheart, thank you. I would love for you to do it. That's your answer from now on for every single thing he asks. You're not going to tell him how. You're not going to say, well, separate whites and colors. Not, don't, don't, this is how I do it. Put it in there. Let it go. Don't instruct him. Just say, sweetheart, you've come to my rescue. I would love for you to do it. End of story. If he asks you for instructions, you'll help him. But end of story, just say yes. From now on, sweetheart, I would love your help. The house doesn't have to look like this, and you're as capable as I am. I just didn't know it. Okay? From now, from <laughs> now on, Rachel, so simple, it? it's simple, it really but it's your marching orders, and it's going to kill you to do that because you're going to want to look at him. You're going to want to see what he's doing. You want to go back and see how well he did it. Let it go. Let it go. The salvation of your soul and his is the most important thing. We'll be right back. We offer several ways to view our programming grid, including at our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Jesus, ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Mercy is the form that God's love takes when it overflows His divine life and pours out upon His creatures. It's a great message for Lent, but also for any time of the year. It's a message of hope. Tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul, who will be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have... Oh, a little over 10 minutes to go. 
We have Caesar on the line, and then we have a wide open line. So you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Hello, my friend Caesar from California. How are you? Oh, not not too bad. Uh, always always a pleasure to speak to you, Mother Mary. It's been a long okay. time. It has been Caesar. Yes. <laughs> And so I uh Blessed I, feast I hope everything's going Yes, yes, I, I hope everything's going well on, on your side as well. So It is, Caesar, I, uh, thanks. I'm calling I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time. I just wanted to see if I can get some prayers. I uh was yeah. working um from home because of COVID and uh with an Indian company and and, and, and the Indian uh gal that uh, ran the company, she was very uh, abrasive, uh rude uh, to all all her employees, not just the men or the women, it was everybody. And, and so I stuck up for the little guys, you know, and that's just my personality. And I, I think it, it came back and bit me and they, uh, they let me go because I was protecting mm-hmm. the team. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, um, just asked for prayers for the next, uh, the, the next financial miracle to pop up. Cause every time I call you, it's something happens. It's good. So. I, I don't know. I hope I'm not the cause of that. But I remember this is where <laughs> this is where we came in. You needed a job. I remember this. It was at Immaculate Heart Radio, and quite a while back, you needed a job. So um, now you need Led one. To the rosary, and 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 uh, we've been praying the rosary every night. And good Saint Joseph as well. We just finished the Saint Joseph last night, uh, nine day novena. So outstanding, outstanding Caesar. And tell me again what kind of work you do. Um. I'm uh, an audio engineer, a computer engineer. I, I, I do all sorts of different aspects of uh, computers. Um, anything that's hooked up to uh, electronics, I, I do that. Um, I have ran my own businesses before in the past. I do a lot of mm-hmm. web, yeah. web design and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was an opening with uh, Catholic Answers uh, for an audio engineer, and, and I'm in, in the books for that one. I just don't, don't, don't know if it's going to take care of uh, my needs immediately okay. uh, financially because I have some big bills. So. Mm-hmm. And where in California do you live? If if you Catholic answers, I, they're in El Cajon. Where do you live in California? Yeah, I'm, I'm up in Marietta, uh, next to the okay. area tier, and uh, okay. it, it is about it is a distance as well. So that, but that's all right, though it's doable. Um, okay, I just asked you because if anyone is listening, um, Caesar's a good man, and if you need his skills um, in that whole um, San Diego, uh, Marietta area, um, I don't know how you get a hold of Caesar. I guess um, you can you can get the Station of the Cross and, and give them the information and they'll give it to me. Okay, Caesar, God bless you and we will pray for you. God's in control you and you here. defended your workers. You did a good thing. Um, and we just have a lot of consequences during this COVID time, which are just, some of them just tragic. So God bless you, and God will not fail to supply your needs. Thank you, Mother. Thank you, Caesar. God bless you, dear one. We have an email from Rosary, uh, Rosemary, rather, who says, um, on Tuesday's show, um, uh, I stated that this Thursday, which is today, March 25th, the um, solemnity of the Annunciation would be a holy day of obligation. Um, uh, I did not say, I hope I didn't say that today is a holy day of obligation. It is not. It's a solemnity, a first-class feast, but not a holy day. St. Joseph is uh, March 19th, also a solemnity, 
of first-class feast, but not a holy day of obligation. Not all solemnities, not all first-class feasts are holy days of obligation. So it is not. You are not required to go to Mass today. It's a wonderful thing to do if you can, but you're not required to do that. Um, We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, I was wondering what the Bible says about suicide. Very easy. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Whether you kill yourself or you kill somebody else, that's a very, very grave sin and the way to separate yourself from God for all eternity. So absolutely not. I know there are some people who have wanted to commit suicide, but they still believe in God, and they know that if they do that, they will be separated from God for all eternity if they die committing suicide. And so um, God alone knows the heart. He knows the condition. Uh, whether it's a mortal sin or not, is only God can know that, but it's very grave. And um, when if we decide to take our life um, without being repentant, um, if we're repentant, we don't commit suicide. But if we turn from God and kill ourselves, um, that is very grave, and we stand the chance of being separated from God for all eternity. So it's very, very, very grave, very serious. We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I've written to you before in the past in regards to my marriage. My husband and I were married in the Catholic Church and had zero formation. My husband loves God and is an amazing husband and father. However, he is not Catholic. And we have come a long way in finally agreeing that our children will be raised Catholic. Well, you agreed to that if you were married in the church. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been married in the church. And um, she says, I know it's not easy for him. And I appreciate him going to Mass with our children and I. He does not discourage our young children, but he also will not teach them anything Catholic. I made it clear in the past that I do not wish to show our children anything that was not authentically Catholic. Yet I've been finding him showing our oldest child, who is four years old, things that are not Catholic. I found out, I find out through our child telling me. Here are some examples. A sermon from a non-Catholic pastor, Christian contemporary music, reading a non-Catholic Bible. He also recently bought an audio of the Bible being read in the King James Version and books about Protestant men and the short story of their lives in order to read to our child. When I begin to say that our child cannot listen to these things, he gets very upset and always says, what do you have against the Bible? It doesn't go against your faith. It's hard for me to defend myself and I'm always the wrong one. I admit that I do not know my faith well enough to explain and defend it, especially using the Bible verses. But I wish to learn more. I wish to learn more, especially as I begin to homeschool our children. What can I do or say to deal with situations like these? I'm going to, it's a long email and it continues, but let me just stop here to say to you, you shouldn't stop your husband from doing any of those things. You should welcome him reading the Bible to the children. 
talking about men of faith and reading their lives to the children. The Bible is the Bible. The the King James Version is very, very similar to the Douay Rheims, the Catholic Bible. There's 100% nothing wrong with it at all. They're getting the Word of God, the pure Word of God. What's missing is seven plus books, seven books of the Old Testament and some parts of uh, other books of the Old Testament. The New Testament is identical the Protestant and the Catholic. And even if he's reading from the Catholic Old Testament, it's the same Bible. You don't have anything to worry about. And if he's teaching them about holy men and women of God, let him do that. This is Christianity. Let them learn. Their young minds will absorb it. They shouldn't be learning at four years old that the Bible is Protestant or Catholic. It's not. It's Catholic Everything in the Bible, whether it's the Protestant version or the Catholic version, it's all Catholic. Martin Luther said we wouldn't have the Bible if the Catholic Church didn't give it to us. Don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about any of that. Only if he speaks against the Catholic faith do you need to have some wisdom from God in speaking with him. Uh, Dear one, we'll continue this tomorrow, and I'll complete your email tomorrow. There's the music. God bless you. Have a beautiful feast day, everyone. God bless.